I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift. There's been a lot of news and talk about Zwift in the last few days. 155Ks this stage eight, one of the hardest stages of this year's Vuelta, finishing on the Fanquaya climb, I think for the first time ever. We're in a pretty remote Asturias region. Like they don't go through Oviedo, an actual big town. Um, and yeah, really remote roads, not many fans on the road. Um, it's just, but it's a really attractive region. And so it's a hard medium mountain stage before the final climb. It kicks off with 7K, 6.3% out of neutral. That means it will be easier in theory for climbers to get in the break. There's then a 7K, 6% climb, 6K is 5%, 6K is 5.5%, 4K is 8% before the fan choir climb, 10.2K is 8%. The official graphics were saying it was... 10k is nine percent i don't know about that um <laughs> i'm not sure it was but the there were some steep sections the last two k's were nine percent and there was even a little descent almost in there very narrow tricky climb yeah. unknown by people and so you never really know what you're going to get but out the gate benji kind of doing a wealth on art jay vine well no before then Ineos were they actually tr- did try to do the Catalonia thing we said exactly we had a a group that started creating at the front of the peloton and we know that a stage that starts with an uphill section obviously is more difficult to control for the peloton so lots of people it becomes like chaos like on the road you see multiple riders getting a gap and then some riders try to bridge it and so forth but seven riders got a clear for a bit Lutsenko, Vilela, Podun, McNulty, Stannard, Vine and just bear standard, a teammate for Vine in that specific situation. So it's looking good for both of picks of yesterday. Mine was spot and yours was Vine at this point in the race. Now other people started joining Pino, Tarame, Cabero. And at a certain point, there was a small group that followed. And at first it looked like he was just at the front positioning himself, Carapaz, in third position of the peloton. But it looked like a gap opened up. And that's it with these situations. A chaos at the front of the peloton and you don't know what is an attack because something can be a, a bit of a faster tempo. And if one person behind that loses the wheel, then it's certainly a group that goes ahead for a bit. So that started happening with Carapaz and a group of like four or five riders. I think Rohan Dennis was involved and so forth. But very quickly, the group behind, which was not far behind, had quick step at the front. Multiple riders, I think two or three riders at the front of that peloton group, the Remco group is what I would call it. And they were gradually bringing back the group of Carapaz. And it didn't let it take that long. Let's be honest about it. The gap was very quickly closed. But there's also this factor of like Carapaz didn't like, he didn't throw himself for that attack. He didn't like try and make that group stick. And perhaps it is because Quickstep reacted so swiftly that they decided that. Or perhaps something we would see later, he later pulled his radio off. Perhaps Ineos called him back. Do you think the conspiracy theory is alive? Uh, I don't think he has the legs. <laughs> I just don't think he has it. Like, 
I think he almost did a good thing today where when he was still close enough on GC, he's allowed himself to be used as bait uh, to put Quickstep under pressure. And we thought, like, this would be hard for Quickstep to control, but it would need multiple teams to team up with Ineos, like a Bora, a UAE, and maybe a Yumbo Visma. They probably can't just do it their own, on their own. Uh, Ineos, particularly when... Gagenhart, Sivakov and Rodriguez are still all riding for their own uh, GC. So anyway, Vine goes clear himself. He's like eight minutes back on GC. He's got Soler in sort of close, but he almost drops him a bit on the descent. And so he is going to do what sort of Wout and Vanderpool did on the Grenoble stage. They'll stay in front, pushing further enough back, uh, further enough ahead um, for the rest of the break to then start to reform in this valley, um, which there's loads of attacks and Quickstep were having to manage that still, Benji. But it was, I think they did a good job because Lander went, I, I, I can't remember who else was in there initially, but Lander going at five minutes, I think he's okay to let go in that break. You don't need to overreact. Yeah. Exactly. I think 6.33 was the actual like time he was behind NGC, but that's that's the same, you know, eh? it's still a notable gap. Lutsenko also in that group. Mess Pedersen, that's intriguing because he's close to the green jersey. And there was a green jersey sprint like five climbs into today's race. So it would have been difficult to get that green jersey sprint. But we've seen his climbing this week has been on point. So there was some hope there. Armirai in there for FDG. Then we have Lucas Hamilton. Rain Tarami again, who was also in the initial break that didn't stick. Soler, who was with Vine, Vine himself. And like you said, Mikalanda, that was the breakaway that we had up the road right now. But FDJ wasn't happy. FDJ was like, Armirai, that's the man we couldn't send to the Tour de France because he couldn't pace on the flat. Let us, uh, let us get Pinot and Reichenbach in that breakaway as well. Reichenbach, he can pace Pinot on the flat to that breakaway. We, we believe in it. And we get a chase by Grupama with those two riders. And Quickstep obviously is fine with that. They've controlled the initial Carapaz move. They nicely controlled the first climb and let a break go that is not dangerous. So perfect play by Quickstep initially. And Grupama's bridging with two riders. Now, they weren't happy with that, eh? They, they pulled Armirai back. And I was kind of like, that's a bit... Poor Armirail. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he signed through 2024. He did the right thing. Because uh, I'm not sure. Like, Reichenbach and Pino were stuck at 50 seconds. Like, <laughs> probably two of the most unaerodynamic guys in the peloton <laughs> in this valley. And like... I don't know what would have happened. It would have been a Chasse-Patat stuck in the middle. So they called Armorel back, went back, brought them back to the front of the peloton. Happy news for Jay Vine, right? He's got – this is what's perfect, and we discussed – you mentioned it to me, Benji, because Quickstep start pacing, I think, for Remco's stage win more than Lander keeping him out of the red jersey, frankly, um, because, like, TT's coming. Don't need to worry about that. But – I thought surely these guys know who Vine is after Pico Hanna. I thought, like, surely FDJ are not just going to put Reichenbach and Armirel on the front to be a domestique for Vine. Surely Landa, Luchenko know if they go to Fan Choir with him, there's going to be trouble. But you said ego. Ego, salaries, history, all plays a big part. Yeah, I think so as well because... What I thought was, who's in this breakaway? A Pino, a Landa. These riders have had the highs before. Mark Slayer won a stage last week. They're going to have the confidence in themselves. They have to have the confidence in themselves. 
to be able to fight anyone at this point. And fine being in this breakaway probably doesn't fear them as much as it would a rider like Tarame, for example, who is not necessarily the, the best climber, but some of his victories in the past have been from anticipating climbs. He was the better climber, I think, in the Vuelta last year on that first week stage. Uh, don't know which one it was. But anyway, he won a stage, if I recall correctly. But in general, he's not the climber that on paper uh, Alanda would be at his peak, that the likes of a Soler is at his peak. But hey, we'd see at the end of the stages that if that's still true in this stage, perhaps. But that's an aspect to why these riders would probably not be playing tree climbs from the finish to try and outplay Vine. They would try and use their strengths all on the final climb is what I thought. And I think another factor was also quick step, you know, like, if they are keeping the gap at four or five minutes, they're not giving enough of a gap that they can start playing. If the gap is 14 minutes, then they can't start playing in the breakaway. At four or five minutes, yeah. they gotta keep it, they gotta keep it going. And Rupamo was a big factor in that, kept that going. And like when this break was initially formed, with the strength we've seen from Jay Vine on that previous mountain stage, I had zero doubts that he was the strongest in this breakaway. And that's the that's a danger here when you're Groupama. You've got multiple riders in there next to Pinot, and you want to make sure that Pinot can get as far as possible. So you let Reichenbach and Armirai work all day, but you're basically putting EJ in FDJ because you're bringing Jay Vine to the final climb in this way. Maybe they thought it was Michael Storr, Australian who won a welter <laughs> stage. They thought it's it's Michael. I don't know. Um, he's not. Uh, he's not at this race store, I don't think. And anyway, when Vine was in there, I went on Zwift at this point because, like, the quick step Cavania, he's going to hold the gap stable. You just know if they get to the final climb what's going to happen. And we have mentioned Vine a fair bit, but every year there are only two Zwift Academy winners, but there are thousands of participants. Zwift Academy helps you find your strength and go further, whether you're aiming for a pro contract or just trying to get fit, fitter on the bike. Orientation rides are live now, and we'll talk you through the basics of Zwift Academy on a short mellow spin with a couple of intervals alongside other Zwifters. Once Zwift Academy kicks off, the workouts will be available on demand and as group workouts, and all workouts are available in English, German, French, Spanish, and Japanese. To find out more, we'll start your free seven-day trial, head to Zwift.com. So we'll zoom through. Vine takes KOM at all the medium mountain points. He's uncontested there. Pedersen in absolutely insane shape, sitting on the back, of this, like, Luchenko, Tarame, Landa, Pino, Vine, like, crazy breakaway, sitting with these guys in a mountainous stage. He gets the intermediate sprint there, you know, and then sort of sits up before the climb. Quick stepper pacing all day. Cavagnard goes long, then Seri, then it's Alaphilippe starts to work, and then we're getting into the final climb. And because Quick Step have pegged it at four minutes, it did drift out on the climbs. That's the problem for them is I do think they made one small mistake today. And, um, maybe I didn't watch the climbs closely enough, but they should swap Masnada and Cavania on the climb and have Cavania sit in the draft on those medium mountain climbs just to knock his watts down by 7%. And so he can be a little bit fresher for the valley. And then Masnada should be strong enough to pull hard on that. That's the one little adjustment I would have made. Um, I might have done that. I wasn't watching every second, but that's something to think about. Anyway, get to the final climb. No one's been able to finesse 
I, I do think they could have a little bit. FDJ played a little bit of games with sending yeah. one ahead, like Israel did in the TDF when they had multiple guys, but they didn't. Not even at the base, it's at 320 uh, because they've been pushing so hard. Jala Philippe has been pushing for quick step behind. Ineos go hard into the base. I think that was obviously just a safety thing with Ben Turner. They push hard and they stop and quick step take it up again. But the gap's not really moving that much because the group's still working on the climb, Benji. I thought that gap was enough to play a little bit of games uh, before that steep section because there's a steep kilometre with 6Ks to go. I was surprised Pino didn't get Reichen back to try something. Yeah, I thought so as well. And like you said, the gap was not going down, but I, I visually thought that the peloton was going faster in the breakaway. And I still don't trust whether the gap before the fallout that we'll discuss pretty soon, the gap before that fallout, I'm, I don't have full confidence in that gap. I don't know why. Visually, it just didn't make sense to me. And the team's like, a quick step. I think Alaphilippe was pacing from 8.3 to 6.5-ish kilometers to go on this climb. Like, Alaphilippe, he's not a dog shit climber, let's be honest about it. And he was visually climbing faster than what I saw in the breakaway personally. And then it started working out in the in the breakaway because in the peloton, they kept on pacing, kept on pacing, and we didn't see them for quite a bit. And then we saw the breakaway for a bit, finally, because we missed the breakaway for a few uh, for a few minutes there for so a second. So long, five minutes. Yeah, I feel I feel the same. But uh, in the breakaway, it seemed like... Did like, I look bad to you? You didn't look bad to me, but he was sitting at the back all the time. And I didn't ha- have an issue with that. I, I don't mean as in he didn't take over. That That's not the case here. I feel like he was like looking at the situation in the group and not necessarily going hard from the bottom, as in what you could expect from a rider that is super confident in his climbing when it comes to that. So do you think he just had the confidence that he could finish off later? Or do you think that he didn't have the confidence in enough so that he was playing it more tactically still? I think he was comfortable with the gap. He had he held, lost 10 seconds to Remco in about 8 kilometers on Pico Hano. He that was from the GC group, though. He's been in the breakaway here. He has that steep kilometer where he can probably get people straight off the wheel with five and a half Ks to go. The gap is still over two minutes. Alaphilippe has taken it from three to two, just about. They're all, they're all um, abouts. He's done a really good pull. But after he pulls off, the Viker's pull doesn't look as strong as Alaphilippe's pull, to me at least. He's not putting in the same time. I think Vine was also, could have been unintentional, playing into the, you know, Pino and Lander, not, I think Lander got dropped pretty early, but Pino's in the break with him, Lushenko, Taramay are in the break with him. They see him hanging at the back and they're like, oh, you're not actually that good. Like, he's not showing his hand at that point. And then um, Solera paced it sort of Almeida style. They get to the steep section, he goes to the front, he slaps it. Uh, Pino holds onto his wheel for a little bit, cuts away, cuts back, Pino's 20 meters off his wheel and he goes clear and suddenly he's got a, he builds out a 35-second gap on the rest of the breakaway. <laughs> Lander's gone, Pino's gone, Luchenko's gone, uh, Tarame and Solera pacing steadily. Uh, uh, Vine looks to be looking at his power, uh, head unit, not power meter, just keeping his power steady. There's a chicane section, like really narrow past a farmhouse, wet, uh, like crazy. Yeah. Thank God Quickstep thinned the peloton out before them. <laughs> Shows goes back to the peloton. They're on 150. They're not catching Vine. At this point, Quickstep couldn't 
pace hard enough. And then camera goes. We have no idea what's going on. <laughs> we know Van Wilde has been pacing. We know people have been dropping like Coos early. But other than that, we're relying on race radio. Exactly. And it was, that, it was like that for a bit. I was like, okay, damn it. We're not going to see anything of this final. I was already getting the worst case scenario in my head. This is going to be like the stage we had in the Giro last uh, Cortina Rampezzo with Bernal, where we're just going to see someone cross the finish line, put their jacket up and be like, hey, I won, guys. And who knows? It might not have been Vine. You never know. But it looked like Vine was pretty safe before the, the fallout happened. But when we cut back, Vine was still ahead. Same situation. I felt like Soler had made moves while... I was worried. The, yeah. Soler came back quite a bit. So like 25 the second seconds with two Ks uh, to go. Crazy, crazy comeback. And it's similar with what Soler did on the stage he won where he dropped first and then he like then he like passed everybody. It's like he has this like second wind that people need to think of from now on. And in the Peloton group, we were on a steeper section, but we were not necessarily with a large group anymore. I think Von Wilder was the one pacing for Evenepoel at that point with a group of like five to to six riders. I think and it was just Remco what, when it cut back. I think it was just I think Re- Von Wilder was still there. Okay. I remember a shot of Von Wilder pacing at the front after the fallout. Okay. Perhaps I, should, I just got it wrong in my head. But what I saw, the most important factor, is that Rodriguez seemed to be one of the stronger riders at Ineos here. What? Selfish. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he's, got, he's got to stay with the He, he should have waited for Sivkov and, and Gagan. No. <laughs> Great performance from Rodriguez. Like Remco goes solo. He's just going to set his own pace. I don't know the wind conditions. Small group of Remco. Roglic looking good. He's there with Mass and Rodriguez. No one else takes a single pull. Remco is just going to pull the entirety of this climb. Um, and there's really nothing like nothing actually exciting happened in the GC group. It was quick step pace. Yeah, we didn't see it. <laughs> well, no, but I got, it was just steady pace from Remco and people gradually dropping or not dropping. Like the yeah. only excitement I saw was Ayuso goes clear. Almeida did his, like he's trying to, Lugenes Denaya, he dropped so early and then was coming back, um, which I think actually costs him. I really don't think what he's doing is optimal. I know it looks like he's finishing strong and he's passing riders on an irregular climb where draft is important. I really don't think what he's doing is optimal. Um, in terms of pacing, especially as he is able to finish so strong. Uh, but he's got a Uso ahead. <laughs> they are not working together at all. Almeida, I, we didn't see the whole shot, but he goes past Ayuso. It, it looked to me like he changed pace and he attacked Ayuso. Um, now, it might be just fabricating drama, but I need to look at it again. But it looks like there was a change of pace there. And that's <laughs> and Ayuso slots onto his wheel. Remco goes to the finish. He Enric Mass attacks because he got criticized for not attacking the other day, and that costs him a second as Remco comes around him and Roglic can't respond. Roglic's looking pretty good, but still probably not his his peak level. But up ahead, Jay Vine wins another stage. Probably what did he drop in that breakaway in salary? Eight million euros, seven million euros of salary he dropped in that breakaway today. <laughs> And he just, yeah, obliterated them again. Soler, I think, is really, really good on 5 6%. It got steep in the last two Ks. He sort of collapsed again. So Vine wins. I mean, the Zwift read, it says we've been speaking about Jay Vine a lot, but, like, how can you not? Now from the breakaway, 43 seconds ahead of Soler, Turamay nearly came and nabbed second from Soler in third, Pino in fourth. Um, I don't really know what 
yeah, much better they could have done, particularly Taramay. Avenapol leads across, credited with the same time as Marcin Roglic. Rodriguez cracks a That's no, not cracking, but he definitely the acceleration on the final pinch. He lost a lot of time very, very quickly. He finishes actually behind Simon Yates, 13 seconds behind Avenapol, Marcin Roglic. Uh, Gegenhart loses 27 seconds. He gave a bit of a curious interview afterwards. Uh, Almeida and Ayuso yeah. cross the line with O'Connor in, let me do quick maths, 50 seconds back. Tarthy on 56 with Hindley. Aronsman on about a minute four. Aguita Lopez not looking good. Not looking good, bruv. Maida no good. Sivakov, I think of the, the guys I thought capable of a top five, was the uh, had the worst day. Sivakov didn't have a good day. He finished on 324, which is... Two, he lost two minutes today, so completely cracked. Rodriguez, um, I'm afraid it Cheerleader. is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, what can I say? Rodriguez is well. To be honest, Gegenhard also did did pretty well today. So I guess it's not completely gone when it comes to leadership yet. Rodriguez is not completely solely on the throne, but it's only a matter of time. When it comes to time trial, do you f- who do you think is better, Gegenhard or like Carlos Rodriguez on the time trial? Who's no, going to get no, clear no. and? <laughs> Gagenhard, I think. Come on. Be- I think is better in the TT. Not, o- not okay with it. Anyway, when it comes to like the GC overall here, when it comes to Ineos, it becomes clear that a Gagenhard and a Carlos Rodriguez performed better than the other riders in that team. You know, when it comes to UAE, we finish in a situation where Ayuso and Almeida are in the same group because Almeida came back to that group and Ayuso just stuck on his will until the finish line, and that's how they finished it. It kind of looks like when you look at solely the results that Almeida just paced Ayuso. but uh no clear indication there who's gonna end up being the leader and i don't know is that costing them at the moment in the race i don't know but yeah what do you think when it comes to the differences between remco and roglic on the earlier picojano climb compared to this climb does that mean that you have less confidence in remco after today or do you think it's fine uh i'll need to have a look at the watts of what everyone did (laughs) Um, draft is still very important. Perhaps Remco's surge wasn't as heavy. It wasn't as rainy today. Apparently, it was quite humid uh, and warm, despite the fog and overcast conditions. Um, but certainly, like it's certainly a dominant display from Avonapol. Still, like he's gone to the front pace, dropped everyone else. They're just hanging on to it. Like if Roglic thought he could even try and attack, he would. Like, these guys are fully on the limit in the wheel. Otherwise, they would attack um, to gain back some time, and they can't. So he's clearly superior today, once again, even though he doesn't take huge time on Roglic. GC now, he still has 28 seconds and 101 on Roglic and Mas. Uh, sorry, Mas and Roglic. There's no time gain there. Rodriguez moves from 8th to 4th on 147. Gegenhart moves up to 5th on 154. Ayuso is 8 seconds behind him on 202. Yates is actually... Yates is kind of lurking, Benji. If he has a good week too, he could really take some scalps. Like, he, he's just lurking there, doing his own Yates sort of thing. And then Almeida's in eighth on 244. So Ayuso does have 42 on him. Hindley, not a great day, but still in touch. 251, O'Connor, 259. Aronson, 318. Sivakov goes 6 to 12 on 331. Vine moves to 633. I do wonder 
Yeah, will he be let back in a break, or what? What will he do in the future? But in terms of in terms of Ineos Benji, I I kind of think looking at the Hague thing last year, like Sivakov reminds me of Hague last year. Like, not they're not torching anyone on a climb. They're a similar weight, similar profile. Not a great TT, kind of consistent, although it was bad today from um, Sivakov. I still think you want to keep him there just to. That's the only way they can try something on a stage 20s with multiple guys. I know it depends on what their goal is. Is their goal to do similar as the two run aim for the podium? Then they can stick with the strategy that they currently have and hope that an Enric Maas or a Roglic or an Avenepoel fall through in, in one of the coming stages. And what will happen on Sierra Nevada, for example, with their leaders versus the opposing leaders? Like, I think a good discussion for us to have on the rest day is surrounding the altitude uh, potential of each rider and seeing whether that will be the defining factor. For example, for I think Moss had trouble with some altitude back in the past. He's now sitting in second. Remco is unknown when it comes to his altitude. Roglic is great at altitude. Rodriguez, I think, is relatively unknown at altitude, pretty sure. Gegen Hard was great at altitude in that year. So defining all of this and kind of figuring out if that will have an influence on the Sierra Nevada stage and whether we also, because we are always thinking. And keeping the time trial in mind. But should we also keep Sierra Nevada in mind as much as the time trial? Yeah, I think so. Like these guys are making pretty big differences on climbs that before the race, I thought they wouldn't. Today today was sort of expected, except for Sivakov. Um, like big guys being, you know, Yates on 13 seconds to the group of three on the same time. That's kind of what I expected today. Pico Hanna is completely Hanno. I I thought they'd all be a 15-man group sprint on, on that stage and the weather changed that. So with that, with the guys making big differences on easier climbs, you'd think Sierra Nevada, they will make big, big differences. Hinley, yeah, he should exactly. be good for that. Lopez, but who knows? I think Padun is going to look really good at Sierra Nevada, actually. He's still, I think he's going to move up a lot on GC there. But I don't know. I think... Nothing's decided yet. Avonapol did not land a knockout blow today, but he's still looking very, very good. And Ineos, I think, had a good day because they have two riders who are now in the top five. And, yeah, but they can't really do anything to to the other guys. What about Roglic, Benji? I'll talk about Vine in a second. Like, will Roglic's condition improve? Will he, like, what should he do? I think at the moment, just hanging on, is the play and wait till Sierra Nevada where he could be way better than Remco. We don't know. I think so as well. It's a matter of time before we get to stages that he might perhaps perform better at. He had his injury. He's had a current status of like level in this week. And I feel like it's following until he feels like he's better than them and can drop them. As simple as that. The time trial will also be an indication of how he is compared to Avenipul in that. And when it comes to Sierra Nevada, on paper, he's more proven on altitude than other riders, stuff like that. So when it comes to Roglic, just play the patient game. Make sure you keep yourself the position that you are, nothing too crazy. He doesn't have the team to play tactics in this race anyway, let's be honest about it. GC Cus, it's dead. It, it's no, completely dead. You, it's on the you floor. You shut your mouth. They they trampled it twice and legs are broken, arms are falling apart, and nope. GC Cuz is no more today. He'll top afraid. ten GC. Okay, 
He's on six. You know who will? He's on six fifty. Sierra Nevada. He will fly top five altitude climber in the world. You know who will top ten GC if he keeps on doing what he's doing? Jay Vine. Let's talk about him. He's on about six and a half minutes now. That he's won from the GC group. Jay Vine on Pikohana. He won from the breakaway today. Different requirements from the two of them. A higher watts per kilo. Crazy performance on Pikohana with maybe an easier day in the wheels relative to competitors today. From the breakaway, he initiates that initial like the break that eventually formed with Solaire starting from almost kilometer zero taking all the KOM sprints along the way not that he was really contested and then just dusts everyone in the breakaway group on the climb and people are saying he's maybe the, he's the best climber in the race I I'm not sure I agree like even a pole it's hard to split them like Avon Apollo only put 10 seconds into him from the GC group on Pico Hano. We've only seen them on kind of shallowish climbs. Uh, we'll see tomorrow on um, Prerez how Vine will go on a rampas. I haven't got much, don't really know how he'll go on a rampas. Um, but I don't know. It's it's between him and Avon Apollo right now. I think it's obviously I'm a Vine stan like personal friends with him so like um but it is easier to look good against the break than when your remco against the gc dies not you know today so i think the narrow edge is remco still um uh, i'm almost more confident that vine will carry this shape throughout the race okay well because on paper he has has he finished last year's volta Yes, I'm I think he did, right? Pretty sure he did, yeah. Okay, so he's got a full ground tour in his legs, which Remco on paper doesn't, but again, it was that Giro, so it's not really defining. I think we need to look at multiple things, and Remco Evenepoel needs to be at his top shape every single day to make sure he doesn't lose time and can't take a break at any point exactly. in his ground tour. Jay Vine has used some stages. I can't pinpoint every single one right now, but he's, the early he's lost ones. time. The early Basque ones, okay. He's lost some time on those early Basque ones to make sure that he could go in a breakaway. I think he tried on that Picojano stage to go in the breakaway, failed to do so, and ended up doing it from the GC group afterwards. So he lost time to go in the breakaway, which means that he spent less energy on those early Basque stages than an Avenipool had to do, for example. He doesn't need to be watching every single move of every GC competitor to make sure he reacts to everything on the final climb. He can just look at himself a bit more. And I think that extra percentage there is already something. I don't know if it's significant. I'm not going to pretend that this is the difference between, I don't know, X amount of watts and 50 watts watts more, for example. I don't think that's the difference we see here. But it's at least a tiny bit difference, in my opinion. And when we look at winning today, for example, let's be honest about it. If Tarame was in the GC group, Jay Vine gained 43 seconds on Tarame. On the final climb, if Tarame was in the GC group, he's on minutes of Evenepoel. Is that an indicator in your eyes? Uh, no, because like Vine, of course, will do less watts after having been in the break all day pulling, mm. whereas Evenepoel's been in the wheels. So that's the kind of trade-off where if you do do, I think there's provisional. Like apparently, the watts they did today is pretty good, not confirmed yet, but like not as good as Picochano, but. Ramco did like 6.4 region for 27 and a half minutes again, which is like 
pretty damn good. Um, I don't know. It's tough to say. I do think the, the reason this is such a tricky argument is because these two are both on like an unbelievable level. And this is why when you really think about it, it was almost insanity to work with Vine in the break today. It's like, no one wants to say it because it sounds ridiculous, but Vine right now is a better climber than like, or at Pagacha's level in the Tour de France. Like, I know, of course, Pagacha has the complete package. I'm not talking about that, the TT, whatever. I'm talking about just literal watts per kilo on a mountaintop finish if they both arrive at the base based on their career. And if Pagacha's in that break, Benji, at top level after winning a stage, like, do you think they play it differently? Yes, because he's got a different Palmares. And I think when it comes to Vine that Palmares is still limited and the time that the competition knows him is still limited. So they might still see those victories, like the previous one on Picojano, as potentially a, a fluke in their eyes, for example, compared to their bigger Palmares of Holanda and a Pinot who have won multiple things and think, okay, I can take this guy on. I think that that argument think, is still there. Like. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but it seems crazy to me. Like, you see yep. the watts, like, and to me, it requires a bigger faith, a bigger leap of faith to think he's put a minute 30 into Roglic from the GC group and he's not done good watts. It's like, mm, I actually think it's more likely if he puts a minute 30 on a 30 minute 6% climb, he's done pretty good watts. So, I don't know. I think they're both, Avonapol and, and Vine, like top five climbers in the world right now. That doesn't mean throughout the year they will be. Pagacha turns up at his target World Tour stage races at a consistent level. Um, but yeah, right now Vine is is just looking at a crazy, crazy level. What would you do if you were him, Benji? You got KOM, few points for the rest of this World Tour, two stages in the pocket. You're now marked. It's now obvious what you can do, what would you do? I'll, you could almost switch to GC now and then try and grind out a top six on GC. I don't know about it. It's a very difficult trade-off, you know? When it comes to the situation that he's currently in, we are eight stages in, he's got two stage wins, and if he gets into breakaways that make it to the finish line with a minute and a half roughly on the peloton at the foot of the final climb, he's got a chance of winning that stage. Every single time. So he has to choose. Either he goes for a top 10 in GC from this position, which I I believe in. His time trial on paper with the words that he puts out should be good. No, nah, it won't. I don't it know. Won't be. It won't be? No, nah, he's set up. No, nah, 12 de Passage, you did great watts, but he lost so much time. His setup's no good. Um, okay. But, but it but, doesn't matter. Like, like top 10 GC in the Vuelta, we're talking like, 25 minutes so it's yeah but what would you not rather try and get four stage wins than top 10 in the Vuelta but I'm saying won't it be hard like Stora got two and he got the Balcon de Alicante one because the remember uh, not yeah Kuz Hague and Sivakov were fighting each other and then Sivakov and Stora abusing each other um the GC guys fought like I'm not sure people will work with him now like I also what I would actually do seriously would be to go up to Avonapol and be like you know what you're missing buddy you're missing that last man on to do that last pull to reduce the group I'm not a threat for overall GC and just go full Contador mode Scott Contador Scarponi or whoever 
and pace super hard. Avon Apol doesn't contest the stage and gets a nice steady pace set for him that he likes, like on Peñas Blancas. Like those two on Peñas Blancas can ride everyone away almost. Yeah, but is Jay Vine at the point where he has the self-confidence, and I think this is a big thing, that he has a self-confidence that he says to himself, I can drop everybody except for Emko even to pull on this climb. Yeah. I don't believe that Jay Vine is at that level when it comes to self-confidence. I don't believe he believes that he's at that level. He crossed the line today, shaking his head, not believing the situation, looking at the floor. Whether that's stage or not, I don't know. I don't think so. He seems like a pretty fair guy. So I don't uh, believe I, that I he's just, at the point. I just think he... I just think he was couldn't believe he won another stage after like these things come in bursts, like the Almeida Polonia stage, like and then he won another one. Yeah, he's been trying to win a pro race for ages and then he suddenly wins two in the space of three days. I think it's just disbelief at that. I do think he thinks like he he knows like he's got good watts. Like Pico Hanna says that. So I don't know. I don't know. It'd be interesting because Sierra Nevada will be GC group, and I think Padun will be trying to do what Vine did on Pico Hano and attacking from the group, and like he did on the plan. Maybe Vine will go with Padun there. I think it depends on the stage. Like it's too hard to get in the break, then you try and win from the GC group. But yeah, it's it's not over his stage hunting, but I think it's going to be more difficult for him now from the break. One more aspect to it. What is he on on GC now? I just want to recap that for a second. 24 one, 6 minutes 33. I think that is still not close enough for Evenepoel to actively not allow him to go in the breakaway. I think he's still at the point where he's going to be allowed in the breakaway at least one more time at this guy personally. And yes, the breakaway dynamics might not be in his favor, but I still am not 100% confident that he's going to be seen as the factor like that oh, in that break they will they will <laughs> is he just not strong enough at this point to like to like play with them then like let's take a look at Wadenbargil what was it 20 2017 Wadenbargil he was in the breakaway multiple times in uh the Tour de France he was by far the strongest breakaway rider in that Tour de France ended up getting second on Chambéry stage winning two stages in week three getting fifth on two mountain stages Ending with GC riders, I think finishing with Chris Froome, Romain Bardet, and so forth in stages as well. Like, he was climbing into the top 10 because of this opportunity, or do you think that is because he started that movement in the second half of the tour that he didn't have the issue one weekend, a few days in, that he had to think GCR stages? He started in the second half of that tour and therefore came to that point much later in the last week and was like, I can take one more stage in top 10 like that. and. Didn't have to think about that. I think it's more like that. I'm more worried about people refusing to work with him. And like, it's a good opportunity to like it or an excuse to preview tomorrow's stage, finishing the famous climb to Prerez. Simon Yates won on this in 2018 when he won the Vuelta overall. And it's a 3.8 kilometer, 13% proper rampass, disgusting finish, uh, 15 minute pure watts per kilo effort there's four medium mountain climbs beforehand of 8k's 5.7 10k's 5.5 6.7 it looks like another good stage for pedersen to go on the break the intermediate sprint is after the third climb uh, with uh yes yeah, so he should be able to make that in the breakaway it starts with the 5k three and a half per 
1.5% climb. And this is the great discussion, Benji. Breakaway will largely be similar names, one would think, like Soler, Vine, Lutschenko, Lander. Maybe I'm not sure if Maida has lost enough time. Um, Padun even. But will they, first of all, will they attack Quick, uh, attack Vine? Second of all, do you think it's a good idea for Remco to marshal the troops for a stage? Because I think he wanted a stage win today to do that tomorrow, ride them all all day tomorrow again, um, given we've still got two and a half weeks left. Uh, it's before a rest day, but I'd argue he plays it. With a finish like this, it's difficult, you know, because we've had moments in the past where Remco on the steepest sections was not very idealist. Priorities is like, it's the Rampai and Humana time. It's, it's the moment that the steep boys have been waiting for. And Remco is on paper, not a steep boy, but he has performed on steep sections decently in the, in the last period, I'd argue. But it's still going to be a, a climb where I'm like, I'm not 100% sure what to expect here on paper. Roglic is better on that climb. And it being 3.8 kilometers makes it that if it goes to GC, Roglic is the winner for me. Like, it's too short for me for Remco to do the damage to to uh, Roglic. I could be wrong in that. Even a poll hey. will torch Roglic tomorrow on that. <laughs> he will torch him. Okay. Mars when it comes to the... Mars yeah? might drop Roglic, actually. I think Mars looks good. Possibly. When it comes to the breakaway, though, I... The issue with me with the stages, you've got that descent, like, after 60k for, like, 27 kilometers where it's, like, a descent section. And when it comes to gaps from the breakaway to the peloton that's the kind of moment where you can kind of expect the gap to stay relatively similar i'd argue unless the peloton says we're gonna take a piss here and we're gonna let the gap go out to like nine minutes you're likely gonna have a situation where the gap stays relatively the same there going into the uh the coladena climb and if we got the initial part there that sotillo's de sabero first climbing section in the first 7.5 kilometers of the stage is that long enough for there to be climbers going in the breakaway i don't know it's I would argue that I'd see... Tug buddy time. Is this not the stage where Movistar tries something? I think Mas... I mean, I think he looks good. And I think the he, the steeper, the better. He's really light, skinny guy. I think I think Movistar should try and put time into... Because Roglic is ahead of Enric Mas right now. And Sierra yeah. Nevada, with the TT in mind. And Sierra Nevada is Roglic territory for, over Mas, who struggled on... Uh, Portet and in the whole Tour de France this year, but particularly Grenoble stage. And so, yeah, I would try if I was Movistar tomorrow um, to make the stage overall quite difficult. I don't know the weather conditions. Uh, I think it's you do want a tug buddy at the start. I think Thibaut Pino will be trying to get in the breakaway uh, again. And yeah, I think Betrago, Thibaut Pino, this is very similar to the Mole stage in the Tour de France, which is won by Matthews ahead of Bertiol. Woods, I think we all like both liked before the Tour of uh, Welter, but he's out, unfortunately. Um, Valverde in years past would have won, but unfortunately he doesn't have that shape. So tomorrow I'm going with uh, I'm going with Jay Vine from the break again, actually, to win the stage. Rah. Easily. Jesus, every single stage. I'm going with Mark Padun again. Same pick as yesterday. He didn't go in the break today. He tried and eventually got called back. And the second break, he 
tried getting in and wasn't the one that actually got the stage. So I guess that's the bummer there. But I don't know. Will Mark Potten go in the break on a stage like this, which is not a big mountain? It's a smaller climb of 3.8 kilometers. That's the, the portion where I'm like, did I select the right rider for this? And that makes me go into like the rankings of today's stage and see where the likes of uh, Abutrago finished, for example, who we did not see today. It was on 6.46, 6.24, I mean. That's the kind of rider who can also be in the breakaway, so I don't know. Lutsenko's also the type for it. I'm going to go for... Damn it, Butrago. I'm going to switch. Not Podun, Butrago. And it's going to be Podun, isn't it? No, I, I kind of agree with your logic backing out of him. I, I think David de la Cruz on Astana did a nice performance ish today uh look to see him getting a break lewis leon sanchez for bahrain looks okay champoussin will probably try and get in the break as well carapaz maybe he's lost so much time on gc maybe coos maybe benji this is the balcon alicante stage like last year which was the day before the first rest day where coos sivakov haig got in that break to take time back verona i'd love to see verona in the break tomorrow i think it will be a big breakaway more people have lost a lot Hater? of time on gc Ooh. haters because he's matthews right and he goes with 50Ks on the medium mountain. Now that's now we're talking. That's Hater and Plap in the breakaway. In the medium mountains, they work the others over. That's <laughs> how to beat someone like Vine or the better climbers. That's a really good call. Ineos should go with that. Hater, and he, he'll be happier in the break than the bunch, right? Him and Plap. Yeah. So I think that's and at 5K, 3% to start. Whew, they can really motor on the, that sort of gradient. That's, that's the one. Um, and then no, they attack. No. It's not the one. Vincenzo Nibali. I'm switching again. It's Vincenzo <laughs> Nibali. Nibali. Fuck. It's the day. The day he goes in the breakaway. <laughs> I can feel it. Nah. Anyway, Fine's going to win pretty comfortably, I think, again. And I think Remco takes uh, more time on GC and rides everyone off the wheel uh, tomorrow. So lots to look forward to. Uh, I had a good Zwift session today. Pretty enjoyable watching the stage and Zwifting whilst it, yeah, it's raining heavily here. Um, oh yeah, I'll I'll give you a moment in the sun, Benji. Re Rodriguez, are you are you doing your you're crowning Rodriguez over? Are you so already? You you gonna you gonna do that? Yeah, yeah, I, I will, I will, I will. Top three, it's coming. Announced it beforehand. Had full confidence in the preview. I should still remember it. Full <laughs> confidence in Rodriguez for this parkour. <laughs> Podium's happening. It's coming. Best rider on Ineos today. Gegenhardt, gonna become a domestique in no time. So Carlos Rodriguez, it's coming home. It's a it's a podium for him at the end of the Vuelta. You know that Ayuso, I think would he have been a first year under twenty three at Lavenir? <laughs> he like he should have been at Lavenir today. <laughs> he's nineteen. He's two years younger than Rodriguez. Second Crazy. Year, Is he second? He I don't crashed know. out I, last year. I don't know how you twenty when he was works. supposed to win Avenir. <laughs> anyway, Sean Utrebrooks, I can't say his goddamn name. He looks like, well, Tour of Norway, aging better, even better this week. He's been torching everybody at Lavenir. We'll do a little recap potty or some segment on that, uh, maybe on the on the rest day on Monday. Um, but, yeah, Rodriguez looking really good. I was looking good. Hopefully him and Almeida find a way to work together. Maybe they don't need to at this point. They just do their own pace. But that's all from us, and uh, we'll see you with the recap of Prairies for the rest day on Monday tomorrow. Ciao.